third, fourth, fifth grade, you can go to class now. If you're in here, you can head to class. If you're visiting with us, I'm Jerry. I'm the pastor. And if I haven't had a chance to meet you yet, I uh, hope I can meet you afterwards and just uh, um, introduce myself and kind of meet you and talk with you. That'd be awesome. Love to do that. But uh, excited about this morning. Um, I didn't know that Katie was going to share her testimony today, um, which is a good thing. Uh, but I want you to know God did because he had it all arranged. Because today, um, what we're talking about fits so well with what Katie had to say. And so I'm thankful that God just orchestrates things the way he does. Um, same thing as I was viewing some of uh, Garen's music and I'm going, man, God just orchestrates these things so, so well. So let's get, be, let's, let's get started. In, um, I've always loved the Penis comics and, you know, every Thanksgiving, every Christmas, you know, Lucy has to watch all the cartoons, of course, you know, and the Thanksgiving show and the Christmas shows, the, you know, the Peanuts ones. But um, this one comic strip had Snoopy, and he's sitting on his doghouse with his typewriter, and he's typing away at a novel. And he begins his story with these words, it was a dark and stormy night. Now, Lucy happened, not my wife, but the Lucy in the comic strip, um, Lucy happened to come by, and in her aggressive, blunt tone of voice, she gave him her two cents, of course. And this is what she said, you stupid dog, that is the dumbest thing I've ever read. Don't you know that all good stories begin once upon a time? And then she left. So Snoopy thought about it for a moment. Then the next thing you see is he's typing away again. And this time he starts over and this is what he types. Once upon a time when it was a dark and stormy night. <laughs> the reality of life is this. The world we live in can be a very dark and scary and stormy place to live. I mean, there's murders, rapes, assaults, alcohol and drug-related traffic accidents, abuse, identity theft, financial uncertainty, downsizing, heart disease, cancer, Alzheimer's, super viruses. And if these are not enough, all you have to, to do is begin to look at the relational fears that we have. Like, will they forgive me or will they accept me or love me, stay with me? And the list can go on and on. Again, the world we live in can be just a very scary place to be. But here's the thing, in spite of that, I believe that God wants to remind us that in the midst of the scary storms of life, hope is found in Jesus, our shepherd. It's the hope that he expressed in John chapter 16, verse 33. Look what it says. It says, I've told you all this so that trusting me, you will be unshakable and assured, deeply at peace. Wow. I love that. Did you hear what he said? He says, by trusting me, you will be unshakable. Anybody want to be unshakable when it comes to this world? I do. I want to be unshakable. I want to be assured. I want to be deeply at peace. He goes on and says, in this godless world, you will continue to experience difficulties. It's a part of life, right? 
But take heart, I've conquered the world. Now, if you're visiting with us, we're working our way through Psalm 23, and we're in our fifth week of an amazing series that is called Finding Hope in the Struggles of Life. Again, we all struggle, we all fail. We all grieve and we get confused and we doubt and we stress and we get angry and we fear. And as real as these things are, what I want to tell you today is this, there is hope. There is hope. And that hope is found in our amazing shepherd, Jesus. Pray with me and then we'll dive in. Lord, I thank you for today and I thank you for all you do. And God, I pray right now for this service. I pray for the remaining time that we have together this morning. And God, I pray that we can put everything else out of our heads and just focus on you right now. Because God, I believe you have something for us. And so Father, may my words be yours. And Father, help us to be brought closer to you. It's in your name we pray. Amen. As we begin going through Psalm 23, the opening three verses of Psalm 23, they don't necessarily bring up images of struggle, do they? I mean, think about what we've talked about through Psalm 23 so far. I mean, they're really quite peaceful and they're quite beautiful verses. They tell us that we have a shepherd who provides everything we need. They tell us we have a shepherd that that leads us into green pastures. Even in the midst of deserts, he leads us to green pastures. He leads us besides quiet and calming still waters where he refreshes our soul. And then he leads us on the right paths, those paths that are going to keep us close to him. Now, I've got to be honest with you. There are times when I wish David had stopped there because All of a sudden, starting in verse 4, the scene changes, and new images appear and are introduced. Look what David writes, starting in verse 4. Even if I walk through a very dark valley, your translation may say, say, walk through the valley of the shadow of death. He says, I will not be afraid because you are with me. Your rod and your shepherd's staff comfort me. You prepare a meal for me in front of my enemies. Wow. Quite a drastic change, right? And as the scene changes, it's a stark contrast to the green pastures and the quiet waters. Because now we are literally walking through a very dark valley. Or again, as your version may say, the valley of the shadow of death. Now, I don't know if you knew this or not, but there is actually a real valley of the shadow of death. It lies between Jericho and Jerusalem. And it is the main route by which shepherds would take their flocks from the Jordan River Valley to the hill country of Judea. It's the place we find in the story of the Good Samaritan. It was known as a place where robbers and thieves hung out waiting to pounce on easy prey. Its sidewalls can rise a thousand feet in places and 
travel through the valley can be very dangerous because the sun basically only hits the valley around noontime and the rest of the time it is very dark. And yet grazing conditions make it necessary for sheep to be moved through this valley for seasonal feedings every single year. And here's a crazy thing. If this valley wasn't enough, he goes on to say, I'm in the presence of mine enemies. Think about that, mine enemies. Now, I don't know about you, but that, that may not be a good thing, right? I'm in the presence of my enemies. Now, this phrase in the Hebrew, dark valley or valley of the shadow of death, can be also translated as the valley of deep darkness. You see, David is not just describing someone who seems to be facing death in their life. But he's also talking about someone who's in a place where there just seems to be no light. It's a place of uncertainty. It's a place when we feel closed in, where we feel threatened, and where our first instinct is simply towards fear and worry and doubt and despair. Now, I imagine that most of us have lived long enough that we're not surprised by a change like that. I mean, things can be going along just really great in your life, right? I mean, your job's doing well, our relationships are strong, our kids are doing awesome in school, and we have some extra money. But then all of a sudden, the circumstances of life get turned upside down. And all of a sudden, the scene changes, and the struggles become very real. Because now sickness swoops in from out of nowhere. The job disappears. Someone we love leaves or dies. Alcohol or drugs take us prisoner. Childhood abuse or abandonment still enslaves us. Depression becomes the norm and life doesn't look the same anymore. Maybe you find yourself in that valley right now. And you're struggling to remember the images of what life used to be like when the sky was bluer. And the sun shine brighter. Because now all of a sudden, you're in a very dark valley. And it has you surrounded. Now as hard as that change is, we have to understand that the path through the valley is not a detour from the shepherd's faithful guidance. I don't want you to think that. He's not taking you in there to leave you. He's not taking you in there because he's abandoning you. No, it's not a detour from the shepherd's faithful guidance. He doesn't lead us to trap us there for the rest of our life. It says we walk through the valley. We walk through it. You see, not only are these valleys temporary, not only do they come to an end at some point, but as you come through, here's the cool thing. The valley opens up to a new place. Of God's provisions. When the shepherd takes his sheep through those dark, scary, stormy valleys. He knows it's only temporary. Because he's leading them to a place of provision. He's leading them to a place that's going to open up to new pastures and new waters. So that his sheep can be taken care of. So whether you want to accept it or not, moving sheep through valleys is just what shepherds do. It's a part of what it means to be a good shepherd.
Here's the thing. If you have walked with God through the grace he provides in Jesus, then you know this is exactly what he does, whether you want to admit it or not. He doesn't promise to take us around, above, or beyond the pain and the difficulties and the struggles, but he does promise to take us through them in such a way that at every point along the path, he is working for his glory and our good every time. So as we think about these two verses, verses 4 and 5, let me give you just a few observations this morning. And the first observation is this. We must never forget that the shepherd is in the valley with us. Never forget. Man, the shepherd is in the valley with us. One of the things that really stands out to me about Psalm 23 is the way that, is the way that David speaks to God. Because it's marked by a tremendous confidence as he is moving through the valley. You see, the circumstances may have changed from the first three verses, but the word from the one who is wedged right in the middle of the valley is this, I will not be afraid because you are with me. I will not be afraid because you are with me. The beautiful thing about Psalm 23 is that it allows us to eavesdrop on an exchange that occurs in the darkest moments of life between a sheep and his shepherd or a person and their God. Because after all, David was going through a very intense time in his life, but he understood something that we need to remember. Our shepherd is not someone who is only to be theorized or someone that we observe from a distance. He is a shepherd who is making his way through the valley with us. And he is close enough to communicate with. He is close enough to have an intimate conversation with. Because that's exactly what David is doing. Now here's what I find interesting. Psalm 23 is not the only time that someone from the Bible has gone through a very dark valley. In fact, you can. there's very few that didn't and haven't. I mean, you can look at Abraham and Joseph and Joshua and Hosea and Job and Jeremiah and even Jesus, just to name a few. All struggled in valleys. I mean, that's part of what happens when the scenes of life change and the rug is pulled out from under us. And what we need to understand is this. When it comes to banishing the darkness of fear, there is no greater light than the promise of the very presence of God in our life. And his light banishes the darkness of fear. We no longer have to fear because his presence is with us and his presence is inside of us. Regardless of the setting or the circumstances. Regardless of how dark, how scary, how stormy the valleys become. God's presence is with us. Never forget that. God's presence is with us. His powerful spirit lives inside of us. That's why in the midst of the valley, we are not alone. Jesus said these words, and be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. The writer of Hebrews in chapter 13, verse 5, just said this, God is... It, God promised us that he will never what? He'll never leave us, and he will never forsake us. I mean, how awesome is that? 
To have that promise from our God that he'll never leave us, he'll never abandon us, he will never desert us, he will never forsake us in our life. He was always there with us. And so you need to remember, his presence is with you. He's right in the valley that you're going through. The second observation is this. We have a shepherd who is well equipped to take us through the valley. I mean, after all, the valley's dangerous, right? We've already said that. It was a very dangerous place to be, and yet our shepherd is well equipped to take us through the valley. You see, in most shepherding cultures, shepherds carried two things. They carried a rod, and they carried a staff. And the rod was a short but thick stick that they kept in their belt. It was mainly a weapon. Not only was it used against predators, but it was also used to discipline stubborn and wayward sheep. The staff was a little longer, and it was a thinner stick with the the familiar hook on the end that we associate with shepherds. The straight bottom end of the staff was used to guide the sheep and to alert them of the shepherd's presence. The hooked end was typically used to pull the sheep from danger from the edge of a cliff or when it got stuck in thick and thorny bushes. You see, our shepherd is very well equipped to handle anything that comes against us. Now, if you remember anything about David's life, you know that he faced internal and external struggles and attacks. He suffered the turmoil of of a dysfunctional family that would make the Kardashians seem normal. But through it all, David wasn't shaken. He was not afraid, and he finds peace by trusting in and staying close to his shepherd. Here's the thing. You may feel like you've been abandoned or forsaken. You may feel like you've been left to do life on your own. But would you just listen for a moment to the truth of what David is saying? You and I, we may feel very ill-equipped to handle the struggles that come in the valleys of life. But we have a shepherd who is right there with us in the middle of the darkness, in the middle of the valley, and he is not empty-handed. He's prepared to handle whatever comes our way, whatever we can't handle, he can handle. He is prepared to take us safely through whatever the valley throws at us. Here's the thing. This psalm invites us, and it literally pleads with us to believe this truth. Why? Because it's here in the valley that trust is fashioned. It is here in the valley that faith is formed. Which brings me to our next observation is simply this. It's easy to have faith when the sky is blue and things are going great. But faith is tested and proven through the adversities and the valleys of life. That's when our faith is tested. In other words, faith is developed through the paths we walk when our steps are unsure and when we can't see where we're going and when we can't find a solid place to stand. You see, it is here that the true nature of what we call faith will be revealed. I loved how the Message Bible paraphrases James chapter 1, verses 2 through 4. Look what it says. Consider it a sheer gift, friends, when tests and challenges come at you from all sides. Consider it a gift. 
You ever thought about that? Have you ever considered those things that come into your life as gifts? Yet James says, consider it a sheer gift when these tests and challenges come at you from all sides. You know, I like this, you know that under pressure your faith life is forced into the open and it shows its true colors. So don't try to get out of anything prematurely. Let it do its work so you can become mature and well-developed, not deficient in any way. That's what happens in the valleys. Your faith life is tested. And what you call faith is brought out into the open and is shown for its true colors what it really is. Now, there's something else that I want to remind you of, and it's this. There are times when we walk through the valleys because our shepherd knows that we need that in order to grow in our faith and in order to become more like him. But there are times, and David knew this oh so well, when we go through the valleys because sin has redirected our path. You get that? There are times we go through the valleys because God knows we need our faith to grow and we need to grow in our relationship with him and he'll take us through those valleys so our faith can be strengthened but there are times we go and we enter into the valley because sin has redirected us there but here's the amazing news regardless of how we get in the valley when we allow him to lead us through it we can know that we have nothing to fear because our shepherd will be with us. So even if, you, if, even if you enter because of his leading so that your faith is strengthened, even if you enter because sin has redirected you, when you get there and you turn it all over to him and you allow him to lead, he will bring you through and you will be strengthened and you'll be stronger than you were when you entered. Now, before we close, I want to spend just a moment on this last part of the verse. You prepare a meal for me in front of my enemies. Now, I, I got to be honest with you. If you really think about that, it's just kind of an odd place to put that in this psalm. You've just gone through the valleys, and in that valley, he's preparing you a meal, and it's right in front of your enemies. And these are the questions that hit me as I was thinking about this. One is this, why would God prepare a meal in the middle of the valley? In the middle of this dark valley, he's preparing a meal for me. Why? Or how about this, who are these enemies? I mean, that's a really good question, right? Who are these enemies? And then second of all, or thirdly, who invited them to the dinner? Why are these enemies invited to the dinner? Now, to help us to understand this, I looked at the meaning of three key words. Prepare, meal, and the word enemies. Now, the Hebrew word for prepare means to arrange. It means to set in order. It means to furnish, ordain, to lay out, or to set in, in a row. In other words, God is not just preparing you a meal like you would prepare breakfast in the morning. He is ordaining something special for you in your life. He's arranging things that you can't see. He's 
laying things out in a way that you would never think of, and he's setting them all in order. I mean, think about that. Right in the middle of your valley, God is ordaining and preparing something special for you that will help get you through the valley. I mean, how awesome is that? He's preparing for you. He's ordaining for you something special. Now, the Hebrew word for meal, or in some versions, your, your version may say table. He's prepared a table. It means spread. In other words, it is a feast of provisions. It's those things that you need to get you through the valley. And they are piled high, and they stretch out in both directions as far as you can see. Which brings me to our last observation is simply this. Most, if not all the time, God doesn't protect us by pulling us out of the valley. Instead, he chooses to provide, prepare, ordain, set before you a meal, a feast that has everything you need to survive, even if your enemies are in front of you. But again, who are these enemies? Who are these enemies? I love this story, a little girl. She had been naughty all day, and so to punish her, her mom just said, Honey, for dinner tonight, while everybody's sitting around the table, you're going to have to sit in the corner at your little table by yourself because you've been bad today. So the meal began, and she's over in the corner. They hadn't heard a word from her until all of a sudden, out of her mouth, she says this, Lord, I thank you that you have prepared a meal before me in front of my enemies. (laughs) Leave it to a little child, right? I mean, it's just how they are. Here's the thing. The word enemies means adversary. It means to be in affliction. It means besage. It means to bind up. It means to be in distress or oppress. The word enemy here does not just mean a singular force that is against me like Satan. It is much more than that. You see, our enemies are, are the distress It's the adversities, it's the troubles, it's the oppression, it's the affliction, it's divorce, it's sickness, and the list can go on and on and on. It is those things that press in on us and bring us into the valley. That's the enemies. It's those things we are facing and going through in life, those struggles of life that bring us to those valley places. Those are our enemies. And so why would our shepherd prepare this feast in front of those enemies? Here's two reasons that I thought of. The first is this, because it shows you that you don't have to be afraid. It shows you that you don't have to surrender to the enemy's attacks because you have everything you need in order to gain the victory. That's what it shows. It shows that we have everything we need. He's laid it out in front of us. He's prepared it. He's ordained it. He's established it. He's set it before us. Everything we need is piled high. As far as we can see, everything we need to conquer and to become victorious, he has set before us. That's one thing that tells us. But the second thing it tells us is simply this. Because it's to show the enemy that they don't stand a chance against the provisions of our shepherd. That's what I believe. I believe it's for those two reasons, to show you that you have nothing to fear because the victory is yours 
through your shepherd. And it's to show the enemy that he has no way of victory because of who the shepherd is and what he has provided to get you through. Now, I don't know about you, but that's pretty awesome, right? To think that's what our shepherd does. So here's the thing. As I put this section of Psalm 23 into perspective, as I put it in how it means to me and what it says to me in my life that helps me to overcome, this is what it says. God, you've arranged, you've set in order, you've ordained with great attention to detail an amazing feast of all the right provisions that I need as I go through this dark valley. And this feast of provisions is piled high and it stretches out as far as I can see and it's there. God is there right in the middle of my distress and my anger and my pain and my troubles and my grief, my divorce, my sickness, my afflictions. And even though you haven't pulled me out of the valley, God, you have given me everything I need in order to get through it. And that's what it says to me. So let's reflect. Maybe you have found yourself in a very dark valley this morning. Worry has hijacked your thoughts. Your emotions are running wild and you're wondering, is there anything that can calm my fears and bring me comfort and peace? In the middle of this valley that I'm going through. Psalm 23 is here to say, yes, there is. Yes, there is. Do you remember how this psalm starts? This psalm, this psalm starts by say, saying this, The Lord is my shepherd. I have everything I need. The Lord is my shepherd. I have everything I need. Now, when we think about it in the beginning, we usually think about the fact that everything I need means I've got plenty of food and I got plenty of clothing and, and I got a house and I've got everything that I need. I don't have to worry. I don't have to, to have anything else. I've got everything I need. But having everything you need is a lot more than that. When your shepherd is the Lord, it's a lot more than that. Because it's also, he says, having everything you need is those green pastures. It's those calm waters. It's the restoring of your soul. But having everything you need is also the provisions that he provides in the valleys, in the dark places. When your enemies are looking in and pounding at you. Because you have everything you need. Let me ask you a question. As we close, that I asked the very first week in this series but I want to ask it again because my prayer is that you've been able to focus on this at least at some point over these last five weeks. So I just want to ask you again, is Jesus enough for you? Is he? I mean, is Jesus enough for you when the, when the cliffs are steep and when the darkness envelops the valley? 
when it seems that everything is being stripped away and the only thing left is him, your shepherd, is he enough for you? Is he? Is he enough for you in your life? To know that he'll take you through. To know that he will give you everything you need to provide for you everything you need to get you through the valleys. And he does so right in the midst of your enemies. How cool is that? So I don't know where you're at today. I don't know what valley you may be struggling in or what part of that valley you're, th- you're going through, whether you have just entered it and it's at the beginning stage or you can see the light because all of a sudden the valley's going to open up and the sun is going to shine and he's going to provide for you. But whatever stage you're in, is he enough for you to get you through? So here's what I want you to do just for the next few moments. I just want you to, to think about that question. I want you to be honest with yourself and really ask yourself tough questions. Is he enough? Now, I want, I want to tell you something. I, I haven't said this in a long, long time. But, but I'm going to tell you because I thought about it this week. I'm going to never apologize for challenging you. I'll never apologize. Because here's the thing. You can stay at home and watch a TV preacher. And you can hear a, probably a good message. And you can turn it off when it's done and never have to do anything about it. But if you're here, and if I've spent 20 or 25 hours writing a message, then you better believe I'm going to challenge you. Because I believe this is the message God has given me for you in your life and what you need. And so I'll never apologize for challenging you to do what you know you need to do and to get your life right. Because we are not promised tomorrow. We are promised today, this moment, and we got to deal with it. So is he enough for you? Be serious. Be honest. If you have any decisions you need to make, you can come at this moment and this time, or I'll be over here doing communion and you can come, but I'll challenge you just to get up where you're at and just come, just say, yeah, I need to get some things right with my God. So let's spend a moment while Bradley plays in the background. Just just think about where you're you're at in your relationship with Jesus. Let's reflect.
This is uh, Sonia and Bradley, and they've been coming now for probably about a month or just a little over a month, and uh, um, it's just been really cool. I, I had a chance to meet with them this week and talk to them about their life and their journey with, with their Lord, and, and it's been really cool because um, Sonia got plugged into the women's Bible study the very first week she was here, um, and it's been going to that, and um, they got plugged into Steve's small group last week, and uh, it's just exciting to, to see uh, where they're at in their life. And um, as we talked, the thing that really impressed me or just spoke to me, I, I guess, is when you said God has just been really directing you and leading you and saying, this is what you need to do. <laughs> and that's awesome that you want to follow and be obedient to that. So they come today, one, because they want this to be their home. And they just want to make it their home. Yeah, that's awesome. Second reason is because uh, Sonia wants to be baptized. She's never been uh, immersed, never been baptized in, in the Lord. And so today, she's going to be baptized by her husband. And this is awesome. Um, so, yes. So, I would love for you guys just to repeat after me, if you would. I believe, I believe. that Jesus is the Christ, Jesus is the, Christ. the Son of God. He's my Savior. He's my Savior. People said, Amen. Amen. Why don't you guys go get yeah, he's there. Let me pray for just a moment. Father, I just thank you for all you're doing in this place. What a, what a wonderful thing to be able to, to see one of your children baptized into you. Father, I thank you for Bradley and Sonia, and I pray over them. I just pray that you will Encourage them, bless them in their life. God, thank you for bringing them to us at this time and this place in, our, in the life of our church. Thank you. Lord, we just love you. It's in your name we pray. Amen.